Four o'clock hours here, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. It's brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, offices in Reno and Henderson and Vegas. 766-1400 is the number. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. in the north. We'll get back to a lot more NFL, a lot of stuff coming out of the Raiders camp early on here and over the weekend, but we had a big fight weekend uh, here and in Salt Lake, and uh, let's try Ryan McKinnell from SiriusXM. Ryan, you're up, buddy. What's up? Yes, yes, yes. You're back with the Jets. I'm back on the <laughs> airwaves here. Clean feed. Yes, yes. Sounding good. Good to hear from you, Cofield. How you doing? I actually, I, I saw you out at Media Row mm-hmm. uh, all last weekend getting ready for the fight, or I should say last week on Friday. Even talked to some mutual friends on, on Friday night, the ever-elusive Ariel Hawani came up to me and said you guys ran into each other on Friday, and uh, he was dodging <laughs> me just like he was dodging you, apparently. Yep, yep. We booked him. Uh, <laughs> it was a no-show. We talked to Lou Thomas, another one of our uh, MMA buddies. Oh, yeah. So on the boxing match first, um, the quality of the fight, what it does for Crawford, oh. and I have seen some claims oh. like in, in the local paper with uh, Sam Gordon saying he's uh, the best fighter, period, right now, and he may be one of the greatest of all time. Um, did that fight do that much for you? It did this. It did. I mean, I'm I'm still stunned. You know, 48 hours later, it is the most impressive performance I think I've seen in my adult life, and one of the most impressive fighting performances wow. I've seen ever. Um, I think he is Terrence Crawford, the best fighter on the planet right now in any ring, any octagon, any cage, any 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 surface that you want to have a fight on. Terrence Crawford is the best fighter in the world. Is he one of the greatest of all time? Uh, I mean, when you say that about him, right, you think uh, the other guy who would be in that category or certainly up there fighting right now, Canelo Alvarez, I I think you – I mean, you got to start putting him in that territory. What he was able to do, you know, in this era, you know, breaking history in two different weight divisions uh, and and capturing four belts, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, Steve. Two, three fights from now, can we get a – you know, if Crawford gets through a couple of more guys at 154 – um, he was at 147. I think he's going to start moving up now. Yeah, could, could we get a Canelo fight you know, three fights from now for both of them where they meet at 160? Can Canelo fight at 160? That's a great question. You know, obviously he's had his sights set on larger weight classes, even going up to as far as light heavyweight and take it on Dimitri Bivol, which was insane. You know, he got a loss, but I think most in the boxing community were like, okay, Canelo, calm down. Uh, <laughs> I think it has, it's like, right? It has to happen. I, I think the money's going to be too large because I don't see anybody, Charlo, you, you name anybody that's even sniffing the air of Terrence Crawford right now. And, I mean, after what he did to Errol Spence on Saturday, which I just want to say, what he did completely neutralizing Errol Spence in every facet, another great undefeated American king, right? Like, Errol Spence earned a spot he was in on Saturday. And Terrence Crawford, in every single way, whether it be offense or defense, when Spence tried to bully him and you know get inside on him and, and lean in on his body, he did everything right. Balance, pressure, power, accuracy, defense. There was nothing that Crawford didn't do that didn't impress me. And I, yeah, again, I don't see anyone beating him soon. And the money fight is obviously uh, you know Canelo Alvarez, but Crawford you know is not a young man. I believe he's 34, 35. So, I mean, you got to make it in the next couple of years. Um, but I'd love to see it. It's just a question of Canelo. And honestly, at this point, it would be if Canelo uh, wants to put his legacy up there and, and risk that. Damon, you got something on the boxing match? Yeah, I got to ask, when it comes to Errol Spence, he has that rematch clause. 
if you yep. were in his camp, would you try to enact that rematch clause? Because he said, hey, maybe he wants to do it at 54 so he doesn't so he doesn't have to cut as much weight. But that yeah. beating that he took, I wouldn't want any part of Bud Crawford after that. Yeah. That's what's so crazy about this, right? It's like, hey, man, hey, kid. Because, I mean, Carol Spence is uh, he's a man, right? But he's a young man, right? And it's a huge paycheck in the rematch. But what on Saturday did, did any of us see? That more, what is what is four more pounds going to do? You know what I mean? What is what is an extra <laughs> boost going to do for Spence? It, it, it was a complete outclassing in every facet of, uh, of the sweet science of boxing. It was uh, it was dominance in every sense of the word, right? So you're weighing the bag, which which I understand. I, hey, if you're Earl Spence and you you just like have planned to have one more fight and then call it a career, which I don't think he should. I think he beats everyone not named Terrence Crawford in his weight division. You know what I mean? That he could do it, take the bag and dip, and have great cars and lives and houses and memories and experiences. But that man's a champion. He got to Saturday Night for a reason. I don't think Errol Spence is going anywhere, but I think he's got it. Him or someone in his team has got to be smart enough that like, yo, listen. In four fights, Vero Spence doesn't lose and Terrence Crawford doesn't lose. And, oh, my God, if he were to go on and beat Canelo or something crazy like that, you can have the rematch with Crawford because you're going to be essentially the last man standing, right? People are going to demand it. The money will be there. Take a break. Rest yourself. Go away for a little bit. Take inventory of what happened to you and how you can get better and then get back on the drawing board because Errol Spence is just way, way, way too good to go anywhere. Ryan McKinnell. One of our fight experts on Cofield and Company from SiriusXM, Channel 156. That's a combat channel. Uh, am I an ass if I say, hey, you know, and on the heels of this fight weekend, I'm really looking forward to Jake Paul and Nate Diaz boxing? I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> then why does that not surprise me? Uh, but you're not. No one is. You're lying. No, no, I am. You're just, no, you're no, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm not, by the way, I'm not doing the Cofield thing on Power Slap. I really like Power Slap, too. This is not you're trolling. I'm, how, can I, you call, how can you call me an idiot when you're the idiot? Can you explain <laughs> that to me? You're like, oh, Big Mac, you're such an idiot. How? How? How am I the idiot in this relationship? We don't. Hold grudges from previous interviews, Big Mac. That's the rule on Cofield and Company. <laughs> it's a, fre it's a fresh slate every time you come on. I forgot that I called you an idiot. You're right. Oops. <laughs> call me an idiot for 10 years. You call me an idiot for as long as I've known you, Steve. Even if you don't say it, right? Yeah. You say it with your eyes, Cofield. I do. You say it with your I'm eyes. With my eyes. Okay, well, I'm saying with my eyes that uh, I really like this fight. So, um, that's, I mean, it's it's again, it's the MMA uh, kind of boxer storyline, and I, you know, one of these MMA guys needs to step up, show some hands, and take care of this punk. Enough's enough. I know they're mostly retired and older dudes, but someone's got to beat them. Enough's enough. I literally like, through the the middle of that, I forgot what you were talking about. Oh, Jake As Paul, Jake, Jake like, Paul, and Nate Diaz. Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Crawford and Spence again. No, oh no, Jake we're Paul talking about Diaz. Jake Paul and Nate. D now listen, man. It's a spectacle. It's it's a circus. It's a carny event, right? Um, it is MMA versus boxing. Nate has a ton of popularity, but I just don't know if it's translating to this because you guys know this. Jake Paul just lost to Tommy Fury, and I think a lot of interest with Jake Paul was the curiosity, like how far can this YouTuber go, right? Yeah. How far can this kid go? Like how serious is he? And for the beginning stretch of it, obviously it was really impressive. You know, Tyron Woodley, I know he's a wrestler and yada yada. That man was a champ a couple years removed and he knocked people out, you know, in his UFC career and was vicious even later uh, towards the end, right? So Jake Paul's impressive. Uh, I understand that it's a battle of the sports, right? And people want to make it. I think it's a little bit 
oversold. I'm curious to see what the pay-per-view numbers are. If you heard Jake Paul say, uh, talk about it leading up to this a couple weeks ago, he said, I think the number was like, he was talking about the Fury fight. He's like, it did 750 or 800,000. He asked what a good number for pay-per-view buys would be. He's talking about the Fury fight, gave that number, and he said, I think we're on track to get somewhere around 450 or 500, and if we get that, I'll be happy. And all I could think about was you just said that in a much bigger fight, right, against a much bigger star, Nate Diaz, who has a couple of the biggest UFC pay-per-view, you know, gates or, and interest pay-per-view buys to his history, right, and to his credit, is going to be half of what Tommy Fury was, and you're going to be happy with that? I think they're lowering expectations, and rightfully so. Steve, I don't hear much buzz about this at mm, all. Okay. Uh, more, more impressive finish at UFC 291. Gaethje head kick on Poirier or flying knee from 270-something <laughs> pound uh, Derek Lewis in a heavyweight fight? Yeah, and the celebration, Steve. You know, I'm a yeah. pro wrestling guy, too, at my heart, right? And the D-Generation X crotch chop in the undies. I mean, Dad, that's an all-timer. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that's such a loaded question because I'm a big guy, and I love ridiculousness, right? I love the absurd. And, and Derek Lewis, all the knockouts, all the celebrations, the post-fight insanity with on the microphone talking about, you know, the heat in the area. I don't know how to exactly phrase that. I don't know what I could say. But then he goes out and he does this while he was originally scheduled to be on the preliminary card, right? Now he got bumped up when Stephen Wonderboy Thompson decided not to take the fight when his opponent missed weight. Now, what's interesting about that, leading into that, I couldn't understand why Derek Lewis was on a prelim. Derek Lewis, one of the most popular fighters in the UFC, whether he's winning or not, right? And after the fight, we come to find out that Derek Lewis was on the last fight of his UFC contract. And that made perfect Ooh. sense to me because that is exactly what the UFC would do. And so what does Derek do? He goes out in the first round, flying knees somebody, goes out, takes his pants off, and has that celebration, increasing his value. Professional Fighters League out there with Francis Ngannou. He's going to need an opponent after he fights Tyson Fury, right? Now Derek Lewis, who they fought before in one of the most boring fights in the history of MMA, right? You can sell that now, and Derek Lewis has a bargaining chip. I was really happy for him. Flip side, my God, Justin Gaethje. I mean, the highlight, that's what they call him. It's like the best moniker in the history of the sport. The guy has more post-fight bonuses than he has fights in the UFC. 13 fight of the nights or performance of the nights. He's got 12 fights in the UFC. He had already lost to Poirier in devastating fashion to see this, to see what he was able to do on Saturday and kind of, I honestly thought he was going to retire if he lost Steve. So, I, I mean, to me, it was a complete 180 and a revitalization. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you saw it. I'm sure people are talking about it. Now, you know, Conor McGregor might be in his crosshairs. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, does this potentially take him out of Conor McGregor's crosshairs because he, because he looks so good? Well, not if, you not if you were following along on social media on Saturday night. Those two, well, I should say McGregor yeah. uh, spoke about it and sent some tweets out talking about how Michael Chandler, you're out, bud, right? The coach of the ultimate fighter that he's going against this season on ESPN Plus, right? There were a lot of expectations that that fight was going to happen. McGregor said he's not interested in that fight on social media. Went after Gaethje. Gaethje was asked about it at the post-fight press conference, Steve. Right. And uh, he actually showed disinterest, right? He, he, he seemed exhausted by the whole McGregor chase because he had called him out for years prior. Year after year, Justin Gaethje was hunting down McGregor. Now McGregor's hunting down Justin Gaethje, and he said it straight up. He said, this is an actual quote. He says, I'm not fighting somebody on steroids. 
And he's like, okay. and then he followed up saying, you know, that, that might that might hurt me from getting the fight, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. So it's a really interesting sort of dynamic that's, uh, you know, playing out between those two because I think that would be – I think it's – That's it, awesome. It's they're, they're both – listen, you, Chandler and McGregor is a good promotion. Gaethje and McGregor is a good promotion. Yeah, but Gaethje yeah. just hit the nail on the head. we got a minute left. Um, we've been talking about this on the show – Conor McGregor is not going into the testing pool. So whoever fights yeah. him, basically, without saying it, maybe out outwardly for the promotion, is going to be involved in a test-free fight. I guess it's their choice if they want to get juiced to the gills. So what do you do if – I mean, there's a lot of money at stake. You just say, screw it, man. Let the guy be all hopped up. He's not the fighter he was. I want the money. Yeah, doesn't sound like Justin Gaethje's going to do that. So I, they're going to have to figure out that testing situation, seems, Steve. They are. stupid I, to I, me. I, <laughs> what do you think? What'd you say? I said it seems stupid to me. Go for the money. Screw it. Use whatever you yeah, want, I, Connor. You're a broken fighter. You're not who you were. You know, are you going to train hard? Are you going to freaking show some discipline away from the cage because you haven't? I want the money. Put put whatever you want into your body. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, right? And, and and I always say this. After a fight, like if someone's talking about a retirement or they're emotional or they feel off in a certain way, I, I tend not to put too much stock in that, right? Yeah. So Justin Gaethje being exhausted by Conor McGregor talk 15 minutes after he just head kicked Dustin Poirier <laughs> into oblivion, it kind of makes sense, right? He's like, oh, not this again. So, you know, let's revisit this in a month, and Justin Gaethje exactly. may very well be showing up at Conor McGregor functions and having them go face-to-face because, -face, Steve, you're right, man, a lot of Money in a potential fight with Gaethje and McGregor or McGregor and Chandler. Anything McGregor, even right now, right? Yep. Even with the fatigue, is money. McKinnell, we're up against it. I appreciate it. Thanks for dealing with our uh, slight tech issues, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, buddy. Take care, guys. Adam Candy, Cofield, Damon, Finley Toda Studios. We're on in Reno and in Las Vegas. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Candy, what's a bigger sign of Vegas really, really, really uh, arriving as an international and major city. Is it major league sports teams landing here or just about every fast food joint we can think of? I would say maybe, what, third of the population, quarter of the population cares about professional sports. Okay, the other, the other 75? Everybody cares about putting some good food in there, buddy. There you go. There you go. You sound sauce there for a second. I know that's not the case. Uh, well, most of it is drunk food. That's a good point. That's a good point. It is uh, late night eats when you are hammered. Mm -hmm. So we got the announcement that uh, and we don't have to give them 600 mentions here for a free pop because I think that's why they put these things out. Um, Whataburger is coming to town. There's been a long war with lovers of the – I think of it as a uh, Texas burger joint uh, versus in and out which is uniquely Pacific time zone. And on the heels of the announcement that the burger joint is coming and landing actually at the Waldorf Astoria, which is an interesting mix, um, on the heels of that, we find out that Bojangles is coming to town. Come on. Oh, crap. That didn't sound right. <laughs> I was going to rattle off the gotta want to need to get a have a Bojangles. Well, you alerted us to it, all right? Gotta want to need to get a have a Bojangles. I mean, it, come on. It's, it's your story. Damn it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Way bigger than Whataburger. Candy, which one are you more excited about showing up here 
in the Vegas market as a new fast food joint. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm originally an East Coast guy, so there's no bias to be had in any of this. Uh, I've never in my life had Bojangles. I am not 100% sure I've been in a place that offers Bojangles, so I don't know that I've necessarily been missing anything. But I will tell you, last winter I was in Colorado visiting a buddy, and we were on our way to go to a brewery, and we needed something in our stomachs before we got to the brewery. And so we picked up Whataburger. It's the only thing around. And I've never been a big fan. And I tried it again thinking, like, maybe I've been too hard on it. And I came away thinking to myself, if you're out there caping for Whataburger, you must have been hated by your parents. There has to be something that you're trying to make up for in your life by taking something that is that underwhelming and trying to put it up on the level of in and out of five guys of meat I found at the back of the freezer, defrosted in the microwave, stuck onto a frying pan, and stuck between two pieces of Wonder Bread that might or might not have the mold scraped off. Let me finish this text. Wow. Uh, Adam Candy does not want to do live reads, but I appreciate you asking. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that one. There goes, that candy deal is out the window. All right, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want your your honest opinion. I want your honest opinion. Uh Definitely the worst association (laughs) you've made between a host and fast food in this segment. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to (laughs) say right off the bat, I think I had Bojangles at least once or twice. I was in Charlotte for a short time, and, you know, it's pretty big there. Um, And I've had Whataburger. I'm simply – I love both. Um, I'm simply – as I've gotten older, I'm more of a chicken guy. I like – I'll tell you, anytime I start getting a craving for fast food, I'm like, I have to try one of these 75 places that is now offering a chicken sandwich. Like chicken has, I always love chicken, right? But it's for me, it's past burger. So, um, and I think I think the the chicken joint, I think they're doing like five or six locations. Now my guess is Whataburger is probably going to do the same thing, but Bojangles going to have a bunch of locations. So very exciting news. I don't know if you guys in Reno are getting it. I hope you get both. But I know we're getting it here in Vegas, and we feel very special because, uh, you know, on the heels of some other chicken joints coming to town and more fast food places, it means we're real. It means we're legit. It just does. Took a shot at Reno there, mm-hmm. Steve. I did not. Yeah. You're saying I, that no one yeah. wants to go to Reno. I'm, no, I'm not, not saying all. that. I, I don't know that they're getting it yet. Uh, they may have some fast food places that we don't. I'll have to do some research. I don't They know. have in and out. They've got in and out up there. Uh, they, you know, they, they've been brought in, uh, so I hope for their sake they don't have to get that other burger franchise that I won't name again in case wow, they do really, decide to advertise really, with really us. Down. Uh, it, uh, Cofield, you got to help anybody who wasn't here for the summer of the Popeye's chicken sandwich oh, and the, the madness ever. that overtook yeah. you. Like, it if was, there's mad yep. cow to be had in chicken, yep. you got one bite, and all of <laughs> yep. a sudden, the fungus was I, in your I, brain, I and you were waiting in every drive through line in town. I went crazy. I would, I would go to every location just to see if there was a potential of getting one of these uh, Unreal Chicken Sandwiches that was in short supply, uh, and like three in a day, four in a day. I'd be, I'd be reading message boards and... I got lucky a bunch of times. And now the great thing is, uh, now I'm like, yeah, why don't I get it every day? It's available every day now, and I don't go and get it. But uh, no, I went, big chicken got me. We, we, we came up with a term, just like big tobacco and big pharma. Big chicken got us. That's Jack's place. Got, got me. I know, but, but, but you know, evil big chicken, it's been an orchestrated plan. I, I think Bojangles coming here is part of the plan. They laid out like Come a on. five-year plan. 
No, it's not the worst part. He's not telling you the worst part. This is an incomplete story. The worst part that is it. that he would buy those three or four chicken sandwiches yeah. and he would not eat them immediately. Yeah. He would let some of them sit around for a day or two and then go back to eat them again because, as we all know, fast food is best served 48 hours later. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say he was a reseller. I don't know if you guys no, saw those stories yeah, where right. people were in the parking lots. I'll sell it to you for $20. Yeah. Sorry, a little markup. Yeah, why not? Why can't you stock up on chicken sandwiches? What, all fast food has to be eaten that day? What's the problem? <laughs> last, last week it happened to me, right? I told you the story about the uh, roast beef joint. I, you, you'll love this candy, a sign of old age. I, I order like 215 right before the show. I'm like, oh, let me get some roast beef and whatever, beef and cheddar or whatever, right? And then I look and I'm like, oh, I ordered from the wrong location. That location is by my house. I'm not going to make it. Uh, and we, we talked about it on the air and... I think it was Damon who said, you have no shot at getting the order when you show up. I did show up. I went to the spot of my house. I explained, hey, uh, there was an emergency. And they're like, you know what? We threw out your uh, your food because it got kind of old. Let's whip up a fresh batch. Did it. And then I got home and I was like, eh, I got three sandwiches. I only want one right now. And I had uh, lunch for the next two days. What's wrong with that? First off, you lied to them. You said an emergency. Well, you told me, you told me not to. You said use the emergency. I followed your orders, your advice. Because I was going to tell him, Candy, that I'm an idiot and I ordered from the wrong location. That wasn't going to work. But the young lady was – and that was on Friday, too. What a way to go in the – I think it was on Friday. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what a way to go in the weekend. Just good moods for everyone. It was great. It was great. Yeah. The uh, the wonderful human being sitting next to you who will not pay for any food when his family came into town is like, hey, <laughs> lie – to the roast beef place yes. to get some free roast beef sandwiches, and then you compound it by eating the cheddar three days later. It's like, mmm, it's not completely hard yet. I don't have to chew it. It wasn't free. He had already paid for it. Hmm. He just got it fresh. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. got, he essentially got double out of the, uh, the unnamed roast beef corporation. Now, what, I'm, what I'm hoping here is that... Uh, Six minutes ago, the salespeople here were not listening to Candy, but I do hope they're listening right now because I've now clicked onto the bow menu. They have potato rounds. Hello. Ooh, dirty rice. The fixins. I'm with you. Come on. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. That blueberry biscuit they have there. Ooh, is that right? Man. Okay. Delicious. Cajun pintos. Pimento cheese bread on top of it? About here. Well, I, did, I, I skipped over the chicken. I like the sides, too. Uh, well, yeah. Hello. Country ham biscuit. You're uh, starting to sound like me with Bobby Manfred. <laughs> <laughs> You're st- start, starting to get Give a little warm me. in here, and I'm not talking about what's inside the bag. Give it to me, Bo. Give it to me. Why not? All right. Well, I'm excited with you, Damon, but only because we're both human beings. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to go down any sort of path that would suggest that I was asking you <laughs> no, for no, advice on the chicken no, place. It was my Road story, closed. everybody. It was, it was your story. We're just closed. So, so I read I read the tea leaves correct on that one. You're more into the uh, that God. I can't even say chicken place. Um, you're more into the chicken place than the burger place coming to town. Yeah, excellent. I'm a southern guy. Oh, you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that's more that's more south of my area. Is that why you're cowboy cotton? Yes. Who knew? Man, we're finding out Tennessee. more. That's, we find out more and more about you every day. Uh, Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga. Uh, closer to Memphis. It's a uh, it's it's a real small town. Jason Aldean hasn't got nothing on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have uh, some goings on around this show with a potential bet, but I want to lead into it by talking about Nate Hobbs. 
Uh, did you read? And we're, we've been reacting to uh, Vinny B's camp musings, what he's seen early on in camp. What do you think of the line from? And it was it was kind of flippy floppy, but uh, the suggestion that Marcus Peters may already have one of the corners wrapped up, and that Hobbs could be. Not out of a position, but is going to have to be flexible, by the way, as he has been his whole career. Well, I mean, that's really the point, right? Nate Hobbs made a name as a rookie as a slot corner. And if the Raiders had done that well with Nate Hobbs as one of their primary cornerbacks last year, they wouldn't have been so desperate that they're signing 30-plus-year-old Marcus Peters in late July to come in and save it. I think you only sign Marcus Peters if he knows that he's coming in here as a starting cornerback, and it's going to be on anybody else to take a job away from him. Did you see the other story revolving around Hobbs, who was not available for the first couple of days of camp? Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play center field. So he got plunked in the face at the charity softball game by a fly ball, I think, right? It wasn't a line drive. He was trying to catch a fly ball, right? Yeah, just a fly ball. Okay. Got Um, lost in the lights. Time to call people on the carpet. Candy, at this age, and you're pretty old, um, you do run a lot because you're an official, so you're in the best shape of uh, all of us. Would you feel 100% comfy catching a softball fly ball? Okay, first of all, I'm not in better shape than Demond, the Schmedium King. Mm. Like, I am definitely not the most in shape person on this no show. No cardio, but, so you got me uh, beat. Yeah, you have cardio. Okay. Carry, you know, do me a favor. Carry this over because I, w- I want to find out if you can catch a fly ball. We'll find out if Demond can. I will probably tell some sob story about being really old but uh, we were challenged by another host in the building who's a little zaftic uh, in basketball so we got to react to that all right candy a lot of work being done during the break very productive getting ready john von tobel's coming up here in nine minutes uh do i want to receive updates via email from a fast food place that's not even here yet i'd say the answer is yes yeah, I'll, I'll do yes to everything. Why not? All right, accept the terms. We're good to go. We're good to go. Excellent. Fast food places further, further adding to our reputation as a big-time city. They're coming to town, baby. They're coming to town. So, Nate Hobbs got plunked in the face by a softball. Wasn't fully available for the Raiders. Now he comes back and his job is gone. Not the case. Not the case. But Marcus Peters is going to challenge for Significant time at corner, and then Hobbs, I'm guessing, will fill the role that he's filled, which is jack-of-all-trades and master of many. Um, I was asking you on the fly ball thing. Softball, let's add this to it. Softball, fly ball, LV ballpark, lights can also be a little bit daunting. So can dusk. Are you in, or do you get hit in the face too? The last time I played organized softball was probably 10 years ago, but I was in the outfield and we did play at night. So I feel like I could probably catch a fly ball. I was just never particularly accurate throwing it. So if someone wants to maybe take that part for me, I think I could catch a fly ball. You don't have to throw it. Just catch it. Okay, so you're in in like 99%. So you're pretty confident. Over an NFL player, you're confident. Obviously. Come on. Not a chance. I'm giving myself a less than 10% chance of catching that, especially at night with the lights. I don't care. Daytime either. You know my story. I like the honesty. I like the honesty. Got hit in the face at a family softball game, and I said never again. Yep. 
Never yeah. touching this sport again. Yep. So he's he's right there with Nate Hobbs. Oh, I thought you meant when you said never again, you meant you're never paying for anything again with your family. <laughs> no. You set yourself up for this dig a lot. I'm going to send them the clips. They're going to love it. I'll say I could do it. Um, I just won't be able to get much more than maybe 12 feet side to side. Basically, a 12-foot circle. There's not, not going to be a lot of range. But I think I could do it. But I'll tell you what. If you'd asked me this, say, even like 12 years ago, I would have laughed at you and been like, of course. So you can see some doubt creeping in, which is sad. It's sad. It's sad. I'm glad my family doesn't listen to this. Um, well, they would laugh. That's, well, that's why. They would laugh and mock, and especially my father, who's uh, well, he's going to be 80. He would, he would mock and chide and be like, what happened to you? Tubs. Do you think he would say at eighty he could still catch a fly ball? No, no. Oh. I don't think he was. I don't think he was ever a baseball player. I don't think my both of my well, maybe my younger brother could do it, but I'm not going to go down the the list of their athletic feats or lack of feats. All right. So I'm glad we're all honest, right? There's no one here puffing out their chest, all you know, braggadocio. Um, I told everyone last week about this bet, and you're the last one to hear about it. No, no, Willie, Willie will be around. As usual. No, Willie will be around in a couple of days to find out. Um, I did the arena last week, which is a two to three show on ESPN Las Vegas. Greg Salerno hosted from Comp. He is a uh, rotund um, jack of all trade DJ over on Comp. And I heard him about four weeks ago talking about how he could beat a WNBA player. I was like, this is absurd. So we were in a debate about sports on his debate show, and I had to lean in on this one. Salerno, I'm surprised you didn't pick WNBA. Uh, I heard your take on WNBA, <laughs> and it is one of the more ridiculous takes ever. Oh. I'll, I'll I, dominate. I, we'll get I, on that on a different day, but I'll dominate. Our Not show averages probably 240 pounds a person, and yeah. I would take every single person on our show to beat you double up. So in, in basketball? Yeah, you cannot beat Oh, I can play basketball. I can play basketball. Uh, I mean, I'm, can't I, move. I can How move. do you play basketball? Trust me. What are you, backing What's, down Adam yeah. Hill? Who's I'm you? telling you. I, I'll it's back down Adam, Adam Hill. Hill. I'll play basketball against Adam Hill right now. If I get a basketball in a hoop. Okay, Candy. Are you in against big Greg Salerno? You got twenty seconds. Yes, I'm ah, in yeah. against. I'm in against Salerno. I might even be in against Hill, although I know how competitive he is. So that's dangerous. Uh, I would get absolutely cooked by a WNBA player. I like it. I like that true admission. All right, I think we've got some sort of contest on, and there may be money at stake. All right, we're going to track down a regular Monday spot with John Von Tobel here in just a second. Adam Candy, Cofield, Damon with us as well. Candy, did you see the news? More bloodletting at Big ESPN. It looks like Mark Jackson now following on the heels of JVG, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson. Maybe without a gig completely, uh, but he's certainly off the NBA main team for play-by-play for games. What do you think? Looks like once Doc Rivers became available that ESPN made the choice that they wanted to pair Doris Burke with Doc as opposed to pairing Doris Burke with Mark Jackson with uh, Mike Breen. And, I mean, look, I was always more of a Van Gundy guy than I was a Mark Jackson guy when it came to that pair of, uh, or should say, trio. I'm just happy that Doris Burke, it appears, is going to get a chance at the big job because she's too good to never have the opportunity to work with Breen on the, uh, on the very top crew John Von Tobel, what's up, buddy? Yo, what's going on? What do you think? What do you think of Mark Jackson being um, pushed out on ESPN for NBA play-by-play on that main team, and then uh, Doe Burke in and Doc Rivers in? 
Uh, I didn't, oh, I didn't see the Doc Rivers thing. I mean, I guess that'd be pretty interesting. I don't know what his background would be or how good that would be. Uh, I'm always of the mindset, like we've talked a lot about announcers before, where, you know, you, like, for me, I'm just kind of there and just tell me what's going on, like, in a certain, like, foul call situation or, like, a rule situation. And that's what I need them for. Like, the play-by-play is not as important to me. So I've never really gotten caught up in a lot of it. I've never really been one that says, this guy stinks or this person is great. So, I mean, it doesn't make a massive difference when it comes to the games for me. Um, and I guess it's just a change. We'll see. I, I feel like, would Doc Rivers' voice get annoying after a while? I mean, maybe that's something that sticks out. <laughs> Candy, can you, uh, can you hit the uh, senior NBA analyst from VEASAN with your point on the NBA and Dame Lillard? Yes, yes, I'm. I'm still waiting to hear from all those junior uh, analysts at Veasan, but that's a joke that goes back <laughs> like three years. Um, so, uh, John, <laughs> the memo that apparently came out from the NBA uh, talking about the Dame Lillard situation and just how far his agent had gone with talking about that he would only go to Miami, that he would only play in Miami, it, it jumped out at me because. How far do you have to have taken a situation for the league to step in in a league where we hear these things all the time, right? We hear about, yeah, it's so-and-so's preferred destination. He only wants to go here. And Dame Lillard and his agent have rode this so hard that the league ultimately had to step in. Am I am I making too much of the fact that this happened? Or do, do you think that uh, you know this really has been something that has been, I don't want to say unprecedented, but certainly more than the norm. No, I, I think it is more than the norm. And you know what annoyed me, Candy, and I'm glad you brought up this term, you know, that like now all of a sudden you're seeing these Miami people act like these, like, oh, these persecuted folks, like they just don't want them to come to Miami. You know, what's the difference between uh, what Kevin Durant did and him? Like, well, I'll tell you what the difference is. Kevin Durant had a list of preferred teams. He never once had his agent reach out and say, he's not going to play for you if you trade him. He's not going to report if you trade him. He didn't have media members, because by the way, this is the other thing that's flown under the radar, which is why I had a really big problem with what Dan Levitard did a couple of weeks ago. He didn't have media members like Chris Haynes, who's very well connected to him, reporting that other players are watching this situation, that you better do right by Damian Lillard. (laughs) Damian Lillard and his agent were doing everything possible to force their way to a certain and specific situation to the point where it was underhanded and I would say, like, cost them a little face, right? Like, Damian Lillard at one point was, I would say, well, one of the most respected, if not the most respected basketball players, I like, always put date, head down, nose to the grindstone, I want to play in Portland, yada, yada, yada. And, and I think it took a little bit of a turn with this process. So for anybody to think that this is the same as Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, do you remember Kyrie Irving specifically requesting to get traded to Dallas? Because I sure as hell don't, right? Like, it was the Lakers that he wanted. And sure enough, he got traded to Dallas and ended up signing a three-year deal there because he didn't have any other choice. So for anybody to look at this and go, oh, what, they just don't like Miami? No, it's not the case at all. What Damian Lillard and his agent did were unprecedented and, and frankly, ridiculous. Given their situation, given the contract that he's under, if you're going to get traded, you're going to get traded. And I I think, too, as we kind of look at this overall, it's why we go back to leverage and why this is going on. Portland had all the leverage in the world. Despite all of this noise, they had no reason to force this trade to Miami and take what they felt was lesser and they're still in that position. And now, even more so, they have leverage in their hand with the league kind of floating around in the potential of a cancellation of a trade if that goes down with Miami. So, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think this was unprecedented. That's why I go back to what Levitard did. I thought that was ridiculous. I thought what Chris Haynes has been doing has been ridiculous. This whole situation has been really, really weird. 
Well, I think it's also highlighted something that you know very well, uh, that when it comes to the, the big time, and I'm going to use air quotes on this, reporters, the Woj, the Shams, the Schefters, the, the Rappaports, it's, they're information brokers. They're, they're barely reporters. They're, they're information yep. brokers for the agents and for the league sources. Like, And I can't believe we're at the point where someone overplayed the hand so much that now we're going to come back and say, wow, is there a chance Dame Lillard ends up somewhere else? So like, Do you think it went that far? Do you think it went to the point where Portland might really have some sort of leverage to be able to say, yeah, okay, cool with Miami, but we've got to deal with XYZ team and you can either choose to play or not because, like you said, there has been face lost. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And, so, and I would think, too, like if you're another – it's going to be interesting dynamic, right, because like you now the other teams can get involved and start to offer stuff. Does that mean they have more or less leverage for, you know, when it comes to negotiating for it, whether it be like Utah or any of these other teams that are floated out there? But, but I would think, like, yes. Like, if you're Portland, and I honestly think, Candy, like, if you've, been, if you've been doing this the right way for the Portland Trailblazers, which I think they have, considering he's still a Portland Trailblazer, um, then they have been doing it the right way, and they've probably been fielding offers or willing to do it. And now with this, maybe more teams are willing to throw their hat in the ring because they know the league has kind of seen this and gone, all right, this is a little ridiculous. And, and if this happens, then we're going to avoid anything that goes down. And maybe, as I saw something across my timeline on Z uh, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, where Sean Sharania, I think, reported that, that the Heat might up the ante in terms of what they're offering in terms of first-round picks or uh, pick swaps, whatever it's going to be. Uh, so maybe it forces Miami to sweeten the deal because they have to make this deal look a little bit better. But I would think, yes, like at the end of the day, I think Portland's handled this right, and I think other teams now can get involved. And Portland, I think, has been doing the right thing in fielding calls and just not giving Damian Lillard what he wants because, frankly, he's been handling this in a ridiculous fashion, or at the very least, his age man. John Von Tobel's with us on Cofield and Company here in uh, Vegas and also on ESPN Reno. You can find him up on Twitter at MeJVT. I want to get to the football model you posted a little while ago, but first let's get to a couple of baseball points. Uh, one, do you want to do a victory lap on your whole point a couple weeks ago about Otani and that he wasn't on the block and, in fact, the Angels are going to do the opposite and they're going to show him, we're going to get you help, brother, because uh, this weekend was productive on the trade front. I mean, I, this is the, it's one of the few times that I've kind of knocked something out of the park when it comes to sports pontification, right? Like, it's something I've said a while. Like, they should be buyers. They should not be sellers. They want to keep Otani. They want him to be an angel for the rest of his baseball career. And you know how you do that? It's not that you don't even trade him. It's that you show him we are willing to sacrifice assets, even if we don't know you're going to be around to maximize the window we have. We want to buy. We want you to be here. We want to show you that we're willing to build. I think it's brilliant what they're doing. And for anybody to not understand what they're doing on taking on expiring deals in, in a push to get to the postseason, then I just, I don't know what you're not understanding. Like this is, you know, Steve, when we talked about it last time, I'll like, I'll, I'll bring up the same example again. When the Clippers traded for Paul George, people were like, you oversold. No, no, no. They didn't buy Paul George. They didn't trade for Paul George. They traded for Kawhi Leonard because trading for Paul George meant Kawhi Leonard was coming. And that's the same thing here. Now it's not guaranteed, much like with Paul George, it was guaranteed that Kawhi was going to come. But it's the same thing here, man. Like, you're trying – you're not trading for C.J. Crone and all these guys. No, what you're doing is saying, hopefully this increases the probability of Shohei Otani sticking around because he realizes that we're in this thing for the long haul. We want to win. And by the way, this team now is insanely deep. Like, this lineup is great. Now, you know, Ward is done for the rest of the regular season after taking a fastball to the base over the weekend, so that's kind of tough. But overall, it's why you go and get the guys that you are, like Grishik, like – I think it was brilliant what they're doing, and I think they should be commended for risking a lot to see if the best player in baseball would stick around. Because if you're going to risk it for anybody, you do it for Shohei Otani. All right, let me go devil's advocate on the one point that you made. 
long term. Because if you're thinking long term, isn't the best team that you could give Shohei Otani next year when you're not four games out of the wild card, isn't the best team that you could give him whatever prospects they could get for him, whatever sort of haul they could bring back with the understanding of like, look, we're going to come at you in free agency with a huge offer and you know how we love you here. You know we love you and we want to build the best long-term team around you and we are going to try to get as much that we can use to build around you for the next six, seven, eight, nine years as opposed to trying to make a run from four games out of the wild card. Or do you think they know enough about Shohei that it's like, you know, he, he is so wired to win that we've got to show him something right now. Yeah, I think it's that, right? And, and I, I think too, Candy, like when you look at it, I'd say first off too, like four games, it, it seems large, but it's not as large. You know, like you can, you can cut into that if you're having a good stretch, and we'll see if that's going to be the case. They got off to a hot start against Atlanta today. Um, but, like, because I would make the example, too, like a lot of people still have faith that the Padres are going to crack that, their way into the wild card. They're five and a half games out. So I think that four games, while that's a, a hump to get over, I still think they can do it. And I think to your overall point, like, so Otani had, a, I think, a quote the other day where it was something along the lines of, you know, my time here, we've always been sellers, and this is the first time that we're buyers, and it's an exciting thing to kind of know that we're kind of going all in for this. And I think that matters, right, to kind of show them, like, no, like, you know, we're not just going to do the same old thing here. We understand that this season is different. We understand that you're on an expiring deal. We understand that these last few years have not been what you've expected. But hopefully Mike Trout's going to come back. Now we have this depth, and you can make a run here in American League. That, By the way, too, like if they get to the table, it doesn't look like insanely daunting. Yes, the Texas Rangers have done a great job of filling the needs that they have, but it seems like a league that anybody could win once you get there. And they've got a lineup that I think could go toe-to-toe with any of these. So I think it's a little bit more of the latter. Like, you see the student high-leverage spots. He wants to win. He wants to play meaningful baseball. And at the very least, they're going to give him meaningful baseball and a wild-card chase, and hopefully they can chase down that wild-card spot and get in and play a playoff series with them. Guys, we have one minute left, so fire away, Damon. All right, JVT, I know you're on the show tomorrow, but real quick, what are the odds that Jonathan Taylor gets traded? Uh, I would say like 2%. I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> these, these things tend to have, they tend to work themselves out. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Your guy Ursay! Yeah! He's going going full crazy guy. We, you know, No one's going to care if either one of us are around here. If okay. I die tomorrow, the show goes on. Okay. I mean, I guess it's kind of true. Like, we're all dust in the wind type of thing. But, right. like, you know, we don't have to get that serious. Like, just give the guy his money. Come on. You have a rookie contract with the, with the quarterback. This is the window. Give it to him. Overpay for him. So ridiculous. Uh, last one, and again, we have about 45 seconds now. Tell me about, or tell me about this model uh, for football that you just put up. You have week one numbers. What did you do? You fired into the uh, Commodore 64? What did it spit out? Yeah, so I, I just I, I wanted to just to learn, Steve. Like, you know, there's all these sports bettors who have all these models, so I put one together. It's a really simple one based on only a couple of key factors. So, you know, it's not insanely accurate, uh, about like a 51% correlation to, to, you know, to winning margin at home. So we'll see how accurate it can be, but – it was just more of a learning process to see how guys put these things together uh, and what it's like and what the process is like. So I'm putting one together for the NBA, too, that I'm, I'm really excited about. We'll see if that's going to be the case and how accurate it can be. But it's a learning process. So anybody out there is like, it's good that Spooch kicked it. I know. That's the point. <laughs> All right, John. We'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? See you, guys. So, Candy, back to uh, Lillard. How do you think this is going to turn out? Has the NBA threatened him so much that Miami almost has no shot at getting him now? No, I don't think so at all. Um, but I do think that in the same way that Chris Paul didn't end up with the Lakers because David Stern vetoed the trade, you're going to have Adam Silver going through every piece of this deal with a fine-tooth comb to make sure that it's fair value in his mind for 
the Portland Trailblazers. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin, Matt Hoffman, Justin Watkins, and the rest of the crew waiting for your call. You need advice, you need help. 766-1400 from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Battleborn Injury Lawyers.